Now, I want to talk to you now about the creed on which we founded this school. Uh, leading up to this, I'd like to say that it has been my experience since I was a boy uh, in dealing with Christian people that the evangelical Christians of the world are not a divided army. Now, there are Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Disciples, Episcopalians and the rest of them, but they are not a divided army. They're only divided as they think they're divided. Now, I think that all of these denominations have been called into existence to underscore something that should be underscored. But all of them are built upon the same essential foundations of the Christian faith. And I made up my mind that a school could be built that would uh, appeal to all the evangelical Christian groups if you would stick to the fundamentals and not try to underscore something that some special group uh, underscores. And this institution happens to be an institution that has a fundamental creed uh, without any little sidelines to it. Uh, for instance, you can take some schools that build upon the doctrine of the second blessing or the second wake of grace. They have the other fundamentals, but they have that in it. Some other institutions build upon the premillennial uh, uh, coming of our Lord. Now, I'm a premillennialist, have been for many years. I'm looking for Jesus to come before the millennium. And I couldn't be a post-millennialist, as I've said so many times recently, I don't know what kind of post these post-millennialists are leaning on this day and time. So I'm a pre-millennialist. Uh, but you don't have to be a pre-millennialist to go to heaven. You don't have to be a pre-millennialist to win souls to Jesus Christ. And it's all right. You miss a great deal of comfort, I'm sure. I, I would miss a great deal if I wasn't looking for the Lord to come back and reign. But uh, I know some wonderful people that... Don't know anything about premillennial coming of Christ. I never heard of it till I'd been preaching and winning souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I learned mine, young people, the hard way. Nobody told me. I just started out and went along. I learned them experience. When I was a boy, go out and hold a meeting in a little country church somewhere. Maybe it'd be in a Methodist church. First thing I know, the uh, Baptist preacher maybe lived down the road a little ways. He'd wonder about that meeting up there. The Baptist preacher, first thing I knew, would be up and back in the rear seat listening. And he heard me preach and stick the fundamentals, he'd be up in the front seat. And when I'd call mourners, as you say, and get people saved, Baptist preacher would be down there dealing with them. And I learned that you could work with God's people. You don't have any trouble working with God's people. I don't care whether Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, whatever they are, Baptist, Methodist, anybody else, if they are built on the essential fundamentals of the faith. I learned that from experience. I never had any trouble. The things that divide God's people are usually, well, mostly vocabulary. I even studied the word, my ministry, in such a way not to use a vocabulary that would set me apart. So now I stand up to preach, a Baptist would say, that sounds like Baptist doctrine. Methodists say, well, that's good old Methodist doctrine. Presbyterians say, well, that sounds like Presbyterian doctrine. Somebody would say, well, that sounds like what we believe. Well, it's what they all believe. I didn't say all that all of them believe, but what I did say, they all believe. Now, I've learned from dealing with the people that you can go in the community and preach the gospel, and the folks that love the gospel respond to the gospel. And most of the people that divide God's people are people that underscore something that may have a place, but it's not supposed to be underscored. Or there's somebody that neglects something or uh, that uh, shouldn't be neglected or somebody that overemphasizes something. 
Now, I want a creed. I want a creed that any Christian on earth that believes the Bible, evangelical Christian, could subscribe to. Well, I tried to write that creed. I wanted to write it. I tried to write it, but I couldn't fix it exactly right. I called on man after man to help me write such a creed. I couldn't get anybody that would always put something in it I didn't think should be in it or left, left something out I thought should be left out. At last, I ran into Sam Small. Sam Small was an old associate of Sam Jones. Sam Small uh, was converted under Sam Jones years ago at Cartersville, Georgia. He was a newspaper reporter. He came up in the Atlanta Constitution to report Sam Jones' meeting. And Sam preached that famous sermon on God, conscience, judgment, one of the greatest sermons ever preached in America. And Sam Small forgot to write, sat down and dropped his pencil, listened, and was saved right down that service. Went back to Atlanta, got out some advertising matter and preached in the open air, I think, on the courthouse steps somewhere else. George Stewart told me that Sam Small was the most brilliant man he'd ever known in his life. I believe I can say the same thing. I think of all the men I've ever known, Sam Small had the most retentive memory and was the most brilliant mind I've ever known in my life. He was in my office one day when we were fixing to start a college, getting ready for it. I said, Brother Sam, he's then over 70 years old, I said, I want to write a college creed that every Orthodox Christian can sign. I don't want to divide God's people. I want to unite them on the essential fundamentals of the faith. I said, what about that? Could you help me? He said, I think I could, Brother Bob. I believe I could help you. And he reached his pocket and took out an envelope and took a pencil. He wrote the second paragraph of this college charter with a pencil on the back of an envelope. We put in our college charter without changing a comma, a period, or even having to dot an I across a T. It was the most perfect little gem you ever heard of, ever saw. Now, here's what the second paragraph of the charter is. The general nature and object of the corporation shall be to conduct the institution of learning for the general education of youth in the essentials of culture and in the arts and sciences, giving special emphasis to the Christian religion and to the ethics revealed in the Holy Scriptures, combating all atheistic, agnostic, pagan, and so-called scientific adulterations of the gospel, unqualifiedly affirming and teaching the inspiration of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testaments, the creation of man by the direct act of God, the incarnation, virgin birth, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his identification as the Son of God, his vicarious atonement for the sins of mankind by the shedding of his blood on the cross, the resurrection of his body from the tomb, his power to save men from sin, the new birth through regeneration by the Holy Spirit, and the gift of eternal life by the grace of God. This charter shall never be amended, modified, altered, or changed as to the provision herein before set forth. Now, wait a minute. That creed, if Jesus Christ tarries, will be just as good a hundred years from day as it is today. He didn't use the word evolution. You notice? Evolution may not be an issue in this country 25 years from now. You know, he put that, the creation of man, by the direct act of God. That'll always stand. That's Bible. Everything in that creed was written not for one generation, but for one generation's unborn. It's a marvelous statement. Everybody can accept it if you're an evangelical Christian. Every Orthodox Methodist in this country can sign that creed. He did a modernist, he couldn't. Tell the truth. Every Orthodox Baptist can sign it. Every Orthodox Presbyterian can sign it. The Christian Missionary Alliance can sign it. God's evangelicals around the world can sign it. That creed incorporates every essential fundamental of the Christian faith and is a ladder on which you can climb from earth to heaven if you have no other creed. I, we all agree about that. Now, for instance, you take that paragraph went into the charter of the school. Any student in this school could come into this community under the law and close this school by law if you ever permitted this creed to be repudiated in the school. 
If you repudiate it and change it, you can come into this institute. We built one institution that can stay orthodox if there's one Christian left in this country and any justice in court. This school never has to go modernist. And anybody can come in here and close it up under the charter. You can shut it up. If ever any modernist is permitted to stay here and disseminate false doctrines in this institution, this school's been hedged about every protection it's possible to put about it. Because America's filled with institutions that start off sound and, and then the loss of faith. Some modernist came in, there wasn't anybody with enough moral courage to kick him out. Some fellow came in and said, well, you know, he doesn't go any too far. He goes too far if he goes against the creed of the school. You know, we have talk about academic freedom in this country. Academic freedom. What do you mean by that? When you hear people hollering about academic freedom, you know what they mean? They mean they want to put some over on somebody. Nobody has any trouble with academic freedom if he doesn't want to put something over. You know, a, a man that isn't a communist, uh, isn't too socialistic, he doesn't holler about academic freedom in public schools in America. Fellow hollers academic freedom in the public schools in America usually wants to put something over on somebody. You wouldn't think talk about academic freedom. Why don't you think of a Methodist going down here to a Baptist school and uh, preaching infant baptism? He'd be a crook and a fool, and the school would be uh, foolish to keep it. Because the Baptist church doesn't believe in infant baptism. What do you think about a fellow going to Presbyterian school and speaking against uh, infant baptism? Presbyterians believe in uh, strengthening the babies, and the Baptists don't. Now, I talk about academic freedom. There's just a lot of talk about that stuff. People want to put something over. Now, we will never take any teacher in this institution, never have except anybody that doesn't sign this creed that you quote at chapel. This creed we quote at chapel has every fundamental in it. Everything in that paragraph there. We change that and put it in the creed so he can recite it. Now, what do you say? I believe in inspiration of the Bible. What do we mean by that? Both the Old and New Testaments. Not just the New Testament. Old Testament too. What do we mean by that? We mean that Jesus Christ, the God of the New Testament, is the God of the Old Testament. What do we mean? We mean the same pen of inspiration that wrote the New wrote the Old. We believe the Bible says what it means and means what it says. It's God's book. Now, when we say the Bible's an inspired book, what do we mean by that? We mean it's an inspired record. We mean in the Bible is what God said. It's what man said. What the devil said. What God said is accurately recorded. What man said is accurately recorded. What the devil said is accurately recorded. When the devil says so and so, God says he said it. The devil may have lied about it because he's a liar in the beginning. But when God said he said it, he said it. When the Bible says the devil said something, the devil said something. When the Bible says man said something, the man said something. When the Bible said God said something, God said something. So that's an absolute accurate record. There are no historical errors in the Bible. There are no scientific errors in the Bible. There isn't any scientist in the world, true scientists on earth, that ever find any scientific error in the Bible. The Bible wasn't intended to teach men science. It's not a treatise on science, but scientifically correct. The Bible is God's book. This school's built on. Fellow, one time I dropped into a church service. Man stood up and said, uh, very nice sort of way. Uh, you don't have to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus to be a Christian. He said, many of the loveliest Christians I've ever known in my life didn't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Shut up! You lying blasphemer, shut up! The Bible says Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. 
if he wasn't born of a virgin, the Bible lied about it. That man that said you don't have to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ was telling that group of young people you don't have to believe the Bible. That's what's the matter with this country. They're little by little they've shaken their faith in an authoritative Bible until they bankrupt the character of this nation. The Bible isn't an authoritative book. What kind of book is it? So it's God's book. We believe that. Every Orthodox Christian believes that. There are 54 denominations in this student body. Everybody that's here in this school believes that what the Bible says is so. We may not always agree about what it says, but we agree that whatever it does says so. That's the essential fundament. If that isn't so, you haven't got anything. If this isn't God's book, God hasn't any book. If this Bible doesn't tell us what God said, then nobody's told us what he said. If this Bible isn't a revelation of the will of God, there is no revelation of the will of God. This is the only book that's ever been written that speaks to the authority about who God is and what man is and, and what we are by nature and what we are by regenerating grace. This is either God's book or you just have any book. All right? Believe in the inspiration of the Bible, both the Old and New Testament. The creation of man by the direct acts of God. Not by a process of evolution, but by the direct acts of God. God made man. His own image by direct act. Great man, direct act God, the incarnation and virgin birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was in this world, he was God manifest in the flesh. Listen, that's the fundamental truth of Christianity. The fundamental truth of Christianity is not the blood which Jesus shed on the cross. That blood would have no value if Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. The thing that gives value to the blood which Christ shed at Calvary's cross is the fact that Jesus Christ was God's in manifest the flesh laying down his life for sinners. The fundamental truth is Jesus Christ is God. Tell it tells you that it doesn't matter whether Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Tell it tells you that Jesus Christ is divine and everybody else is divine. is a blasphemer and a liar. The Bible says man's a sinner. Born in sin, conceived in sin. That you belong to a fallen race. But Jesus Christ this sinless Son of God knew no sin and was made to be sin on Calvary for a lost world. So we accept the incarnation. All evangelical Christians do that. Every Orthodox Christian in the world, whatever may be his church membership, believes that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Virgin birth of Christ. Incarnation of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. His vicarious atonement for the sins of mankind on the shedding of blood on the cross. Every Orthodox Christian on earth believes that Jesus Christ died a vicarious death, bearing the sins of men in his body on the cross. Every man that doesn't believe that is not orthodox. Every man that believes it is orthodox in that thing. Vicarious Lord don't. Every Christian believes that Jesus Christ was buried, rose again the dead the third day. Literally, bodily, out of the tomb, every Christian believes that. Every Christian in this country believes that Jesus Christ sent into heaven. Up at the right hand of the fall. Now, we didn't say he's coming again, because we want, didn't want in that creed to start a controversy. Somebody say, you believe it before or after? Some say, are you a pre or a post? Some say, are you or not? Now, I'm a pre. And uh, our Bible department has always had a premillennial emphasis. We're going to keep it that way, the Lord help me. But as far as that situation's concerned, this school has no message on the coming of Christ as a school about whether it's pre or whether it's post, whether it's all. That wasn't our business. 
This is not a premillennial school, not a postmillennial school, not an amillennial school. This is a Christ school, Christian school, with the fundamentals of the faith. Some people don't even know what it means about pre and post. And so we didn't put that in the creed. But we believe he's up in heaven, we believe he's in the seed and for it. What else we believe? We believe that uh, salvation by grace. Everybody believes that. A fellow said to me, I heard a fellow pray to be saved. He came up in your meeting and said, he prayed to be saved. I said, yes. Well, I said, I don't believe in that. Bible doesn't say he prayed to be saved. I don't believe in that. He said, he said, I believe in salvation by grace through faith. Wait a minute. If a man says, God be merciful to me, a sinner, he believes in salvation by grace. He may not state it theologically like you state it. But a man that says, God save me means I can't save myself. Every Christian in the world believes in salvation by grace if he's orthodox. He can't earn salvation. He can't pay for it. He can't, he can't pay for it after he get it. He has to take it from God. It's God's gift. Now, they may not state it all of them the same way, but they do. All right. Anybody in this country that believes that creed has a foundation upon which to build your Christian character. You can go to heaven when you die if you exercise the right kind of faith. Now, listen just a minute. You're never going to get these folks together on anything else. I don't believe in getting them together organically. If people talk about our independent proposition, if I could today bring all the denominations of this country together in one organization, I wouldn't do it for a million worlds. You get all these Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians all of them together, the devil wouldn't have to swallow but one time. Just one little swallow and get them all there. You know, as long as we have these different groups, he, he'd have to do a lot of swallowing to get them all there. This, I thank God for the privilege we have in America, the liberties we enjoy. If a Baptist don't like it set up, they move out and organize them another little church like they're doing in America in a lot of places. If Methodists go modernistic and Methodists believe Methodist doctrine, they can move out and organize them another little Methodist church. And if Presbyterians feel like they're going modernistic and they've got a little group of saints in there that believe in the blood of Christ, they can move out and organize something else. You can't defeat this country, Christianity in this country as long as you have this kind of setup. So I believe it. I like to see them separate. I, I praise God for everybody that has conviction whether I agree with it or not. man said to me not long ago, he said, uh, uh, you, were, uh, you were converted to the Methodist old? I said, yes. And he said, somebody said you were baptized in the country creek. He said, yes. I said, I was. I said, my mother was a good old country Baptist. She didn't have any trouble getting me in the creek. She took me down and talked to him about it, so I got in the creek. Well, he said, you hold a meeting, this Baptist preacher said. You hold a meeting with Methodists and preaching and everybody else. He said, uh, uh, you, are, uh, you are not preaching Baptist. I said, I preach Christ crucified. That's as far as this gang can go in there. Christ crucified. Well, he said, what do you say? I said, well, I'll let you say the rest. I, I said, you think a fellow's got to be good enough to go to heaven before he gets in the pool, don't you? Yes. A fellow, uh, a fellow ought to be good enough to walk down the streets of gold under a cloudless sky and be robed in spotless white before he's good enough to get in the pool. Yes. Ought to be saved first. Yes. Baptized after. Yes, he said. Well, I said, listen, if you can't get him in the pool, let's get the fellows into heaven anyway. That wouldn't be a pretty bad idea to get a guy in heaven if he'd miss the water. Of course, you won't take him to the water, all right. But, brother, if he walks around the pool for heaven's sake, don't let him go to hell. Let's get him into heaven, see. Uh, you know, uh, take him there dry, clean. Can't get him any other. Get him saved. 
You're not going to get some of these Presbyterians in the water. They won't take it. Some of these Methodists, they won't take it. But listen, they don't have to take it to get to heaven. We can get it. Listen, brother, if you've got a creed good enough to take a fellow to heaven, then the Baptists over here say, well, we want to emphasize this a little. All right, go to it. Pretty say, well, listen, Bob, you didn't emphasize something. We want to emphasize. All right, go, brother, underscore that. Over. That's perfectly all right with us, as far as the school's concerned. You're in this school today. It didn't want to be here. We're all here together in perfect fellowship this morning. There isn't a man in this school that sacrificed any conviction. Presbyterian preachers here. Baptist preachers in this faculty. Methodists in the organization. Christian missionary line. Here we are. There is no one of them that sacrificed one single principle. Beyond this creed, go as far as you want to go. But you've got to go this far to go in. It is not compromise. It is never compromise to go as far as you can on the right road. Compromising is going the wrong road. Somebody said, well, what do you think about the second blessing? We let you think about it. They said, well, I wouldn't go into a meeting with a, uh, that brother. He believes in the second blessing. Well, I said, you both agree about the first, don't you? Yes, well, get together on that. Guess you can get together on the first blessing. Yes. Well, get together. Shake hands on the first. If, the, if there is two, a fellow's got to get the first and to get the second. So you haven't compromised anything. Somebody said to me, well, I wouldn't work with him. Says he thinks you can lose it after you get it. Well, what do you think about it? Oh, I know better. Well, I said, help the guy get it and then fool him. <laughs> you know one thing about this school you folks are listening in over there? All these folks out here know it. This is the most practical place you ever saw. Every year's practice. We have the mystical element out here, but we are living in the nasty now and now. We haven't yet got to the sweet by and by. And as long as we're in the nasty now and now, we're going to be practical. And that's biblical. That's biblical. Listen, I own the authority of the New Testament. I've got a right to take the stand of this creed of this university. Paul did. Paul writing Corinthians. They had some Methodist Corinthians and some Baptist Corinthians. And the Baptist Corinthians took one side and the Methodist Corinthians took the other. One said, Who for Apollos? Who offer Apollos our John Wesley? Now the fellow got to Who offer Paul the John the Baptist? They're at each other's throats. Paul said, fighting like that, he said, you're just carnal, that's all. And Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you. He underscored you. That's the crowd he is talking to. 
I determined not to know anything among you, carnal, Corinthian, fussing, griping, fighting, complaining Christians. I'm determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and crucified. Is that as far as Paul went? Not always. A little later, Paul said, I speak words of wisdom of the initiated. Some folks can take more than you can stand. And brother, you get over in Ephesians, he did some climbing. Mighty few folks have ever been able to climb up that high since that day either. Start on Ephesians and Colossians in the average Bible conference today. But you know, on with Paul to Christ crucified. The platform upon which all of us stand, we are a united arm. The Baptist hasn't, the Baptist haven't got anything on the Presbyterians. Comes to the blood of the cross, an open tomb, and the Presbyterian hasn't got anything on the Baptist. However much they may have been foreordained, that comes to the essentials. Listen, the thing that divided God's people is not, has, has never been the essentials. It's always been something that some group had not put enough emphasis on. You take the question in, uh, in England on the Wesleys and Whitfields, was largely a question of experience. Whitfield and Wesley never did agree. Never was a West Calvinist in West Whitfield. He believed in limited atonement. Wesley didn't. But they had exactly the same experience. They could both say hallelujah and praise God and call mourners. And then what happened to them? Well, one time they got to arguing about it. You know, the best way to get God's people to get along is to get a Baptist just out of the pool and a Presbyterian just to wait in the fountain. Let them sit down and say, you love Jesus? Yeah. You believe the blood cleanses them sin? Yeah, I do too. Well, uh, you believe that you can't save yourself? Yeah, I do too. You believe you're saved by grace? Sure do. <laughs> Say, shake hands with me, brother. Mine's a little wet. I'm just out of the pool, but let's shake hands. <laughs> he said, I, I, I don't follow you in everything, but brother, you and I are on the same way to the same home. One of the secrets of success of this school, I'll let you on to it. Good old Orthodox Baptist said, you know, at Bob Jones School, sure sounds good to us Baptists. <laughs> old Baptist preaching this country came to see me not long ago and sat in my office. He said, Brother Bob, when these Baptist bosses around you seem to make it hard for us, don't you worry. He said, we old country Baptist preachers, we like the way you hand it out. And the old... Methodists around this country, born again Methodists. They say if any big boy ever steps on you, Bob, don't worry. We good old born again country Methodists believe all that stuff. And the Presbyterians say, you don't underscore foreordination and predestination election as much as I do, but say you sure do underscore some things we Presbyterians sure do like. They're the essentials. Brother, did you know if Presbyterians are right on foreordination? If they arrive, uh, you know you don't have anything to do with it, any. 
You can go to heaven if you're foreordained, all fixed up. Fellow told me not long ago, he said, What do you need to preach to fellows? What do you do? I heard a preacher one night, a fellow came up front, he said, My dear fellow, I hope you're one of the elect. We just well tell the fellow to go on to hell. Gets into wondering if he can be saved. <laughs> Gets to wonder. Don't was there any chance for me or not. Now don't misunderstand, my old mother believed that. My old mother, she she kept hoping maybe she was one of the elect. We children all knew she was. If she wasn't, she ought to be. You know what you need? All you need to get a sinner saved is to find a sinner that wants to be saved. The idea of going back behind the foundation of the world and getting him all muddled up when he wants to be saved. Any Presbyterian, any Methodist, any Baptist, any anybody, anywhere, of any denomination, whether you're Calvinistic or not Calvinistic, every last one of you believes a sinner that wants to be saved can be saved. Brother, that's better than understanding for ordination. I never argue with a fellow. A fellow comes to me and says, I want to be saved. I say, oh, you should be saved. Because Jesus said he didn't want you to be lost. So you ought to be saved. And he wants to save you. You ought, ought to be able to get together, don't you think? I don't waste any time with you. A fellow comes to me one time and he says, you know, I was uh, saved one time. And, and uh, I'm, uh, I, I've lost my salvation. I never stop and talk to him about the security of the believer. Because a guy may never been saved anyhow. Might be mistaken. And it's about the same process to get a backslider back is to get a sinner converted the first time. Not much difference in the process. So just go at it. If he says he's lost, he says he's lost it, I say, well, uh, you want to get right, don't you? And I tell him that. Fellow comes up and says, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've been saved, and, but I'm a backslider. I'm still saved. Hallelujah. Well, I say, listen, you better get back in the arms of the Lord. And I tell him how to get back. Listen, this school's the most practical school in the world. Baptist preacher can come to this school, or a Methodist, or a Presbyterian, or anybody else go anywhere in this country. And get along with all God's people. Never sacrifice any conviction. Listen, I thought God was leading us when we started. When I look out here this morning, I know God's leading us. A thousand young preachers. Hundreds of young missionaries, all of these faculty here together, loving the Lord, loving each other. Every Baptist just as good a Baptist as he ever was, and every Pharisee as good as he ever was. Every Methodist as good as he ever was. Say, isn't it wonderful to find out <laughs> that we can all get along individually, not, all, not organically, I don't mean that, but individually. Isn't it a wonderful thing? You know, sometimes I go to town, I was a young fellow. And it so happened that the best man in town would be a Methodist. The next town I'd go to, I found out, strange to say, the best one in town might be a Presbyterian. And once in a while, I'd find the best in town was a Baptist. And on a few occasions, I found the greatest saint in town was the Episcopalian. The holiest man that I ever knew in my life, I think was a Episcopal vestryman in a little town in Alabama. He loved God. He loved souls. He walked with God. He had a light out of heaven in his eyes, and his hair would always hang, that white hair, like locks of gold. 
And you know, brother, I've learned something. I've learned that it's getting folks fixed on the fundamentals at Mecca. It's a thing on which all God's people agree. That seems to be the, something that develops Christian character. We all pray the same way. Oh God, we ask thee in the name of Jesus. We've no standing, we've no credit. We've, we have no credit to heaven, but we have a rich friend up there. We want him to sign our checks. And we stick our little prayer check through the bank of Ask him to sign it with his blood. Uh, thank you for giving me this in the name of Jesus. We all pray alike. We all, uh, we all sing the same songs. You can sing a fountain filled with blood in any Orthodox church in America. If they don't believe in blood, they're not Orthodox. Listen. Uh, you can go in any church in this country and preach the victorious life. By the power of an indwelling Holy Spirit. If you are practical and sensible without splitting God's people all to pieces. Listen. Listen. There are many people that underemphasize, but the great many overemphasize. So here we are. We all say the creed. I know all of us say it. There are 200 faculty members. And I know that the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians all. Say it in the same tone of voice. Look like they all believe it just alike. All the students say it. Fit for denomination. Nobody sacrificed. Listen, if you could get the evangelical Christians of this country to, while they stay separate organically, that's what it ought to be. That's all right. That's what I believe in. I don't believe in any big boss or any churches in this country running them. You know, the Baptists ought to be nice to me. Because they say they don't want any bosses. And I say, Amen. You wouldn't think any Baptist would be anything but friendly, would you? You know, I don't believe any boss over the conscience of the individual. I think an individual Baptist, individual Methodist, individual Presbyterian, individual Episcopalian... Individual, anybody else has his own individual prerogatives as a child of God to walk with God and associate with God's people. Now, when you vote a church into something, that's different. We have never asked for the organic support of any church in America. All we ask is for the organic support. <laughs> no, not even organic. The individual support of everybody that loves Jesus Christ in our effort to build on the eternal foundation incorporated in our creed. And let me tell you something, brother. That's what this country needs. If the foundation be destroyed, what's going to happen to us? And the devil, in the name of some church lord, is digging at the foundation today to pull down the house. Well, we're going to emphasize the foundation. That's where we stand.